Welcome to The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Neetha Bhushan, and this is your oasis for strengthening your mental and emotional fitness no matter what life tosses your way. I am so excited you're here. Just like you, I wear many hats. I'm a former dentist turned author and serial entrepreneur, currently a mom of two, and a recovering perfectionist. Every week, we'll navigate brave conversations to support your evolution at every season and stage of your life. Raw and unfiltered, we'll explore all the feels as we unpack life's unpredictable moments, from the playful to the painful, the magical and the messy, and everything in between this epic human experience. You ready? Let's dive in. Well, hello, hello, Brave Table fam. Welcome, welcome. If you are new, I am so glad you've arrived. I am so, so glad you have chosen to invest your time and your expansion into this very, very powerful episode that I have for you today. Oh my goodness. It has been a whirlwind and I am so excited that you all have been just enjoying the episodes. This, if you are new, has been such a labor of love and we are just getting started. And this week, I am so excited to bring you someone, a woman that I have admired for a very long time. She actually has been so transformational in so many people's lives. And for me, my walk with her began when I was embarking on um, a natural birth. And I wanted to do things definitely from a holistic place. And she introduced me to hypnotherapy. And it is the one and only globally acclaimed, award-winning therapist, Marissa Peer. That's right. The Marissa Peer is sitting with us today on the Brave Table, you guys. Very, very excited. And for those of you who do not know who Marissa Peer is, she is, yes, a globally acclaimed therapist, author, speaker, and founder of the award-winning technique called Rapid Transformational Therapy, or RTT, which has trained hundreds of thousands of practitioners throughout the world. And basically, it combines neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, cognitive behavioral therapy, psychotherapy, and hypnotherapy for deeply powerful results. And honestly, you guys, it has been super transformational in my life. Some of the shifts that I've seen this woman make in literally workshops that house you know, 300, 500, 1,000 people. People are in tears from her work. They are shifted immediately, miraculously, right after. Like she is just the real deal. And I'm so glad she's breaking some of her concepts from her RTT training with you so that you can self-coach. You can be a coach of your life. And not only that, she has, like I said before, been such a guide for me in motherhood. I mean, she gifted me a few of her tracks and literally it was a thing that I was listening to for days on end before I actually went into my portal of motherhood with Ari. And I mean, not only has she worked with some of the biggest stars, and when I mean stars, you would be surprised that people want to be in her energy, like biggest celebrities from Olympic athletes, royalty, Hollywood, Bollywood celebrities, heads of states, politicians, rock stars. I'm talking the creme de la creme, and it, it's 
it's no surprise because she is just a gem when you sit in front of her. She's been doing this for 30 plus years and she has a new book out, which is called Tell Yourself a Better Lie, which is phenomenal. It's already a bestseller and it's now out on Amazon, wherever you get your books. So through her events and trainings, literally she's globed thousands, hundreds of thousands of people at this point. And I'm so excited that we get to bring her and her wisdom to the brave table. And in this episode, we're going to dive into something that she doesn't normally talk about, which is raising her daughter as a single mother, as a therapist. And she has such a powerful way of reframing some of the stories that happen in our own lives. And not only that, if you aren't a mom, because we are going to go into motherhood a little bit and how basically she started this global movement called I Am Enough. And this is one of the things she gets asked a lot about. And she gets to bring that here today. The top three words that every single human being wants to know and listen and experience. I am enough. And she created this for the next generation, for our children. And she's partnered up with hundreds of schools throughout the UK. And she talks about the origin story of the I am enough movement and why it's so important as caretakers, providers, people who are around younger people to be mindful of our actions, words, and behaviors. But not only that, if you are not a parent, if you are not a mom, how to reparent yourself, how to actually clear some of your own childhood wounds. So this is an episode applicable so much for even healing parts of ourselves, the things that we wanted to hear from our parents but never did. And like I said, she has been the source of wisdom for my own healing, my own growth, and I think you are really, really going to love her. And just how to be your own loving parent figure and heal. I love that so much. And Without further ado, you guys, there are so many juicy nuggets that you'll experience in this episode from having the right mindset to experience joy in the birthing process, to navigate your new identity as a mom, how to balance your life with your kids and really how to harness yourself back again. And if you aren't a parent and if you are single, how to actually know what your boundaries are. And not only that, how to transmute your emotions when you're having big feelings and avoiding self-sabotage. This is something huge that we constantly do, but not only that, how to reframe your life and what happened to you when you were young to make peace with it so that it does not spill into your relationships, your partnerships, your business endeavors. And she talks about the main pillars of her RTT work, which is rapid transformational therapy. There are four main pillars and it is powerful. You will probably want to take notes or listen to this again. Ah, all right. Without further ado, I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode and I will see you on the other side of this. Yes, this is a good one. Let's welcome Marissa Peer to the Brave Table. All right. Well, I am so excited. It's been a long time coming. Welcome to the show, Marissa. We are delighted to have you here. Well, I'm excited and also delighted. It's so nice hanging out with you. I know. I know. I'm so glad that you're here in Austin and hopefully we'll try to persuade you guys to move move out here as well. 
We never know. That's so true. And I wanted to start by just saying that you have really been the, you know, the, the guide for me in motherhood, because do you remember this where we were at, we were, we were at an event in Europe and I was pregnant with Ari and you gave me your, um, basically your, one of the hypnotherapy tracks. Yeah. Cause it was, this was like my first foray into motherhood. And this was the track that I kept listening to, even in the crazy, like three day labor that I had. And so now having like Isla, our, our second yeah. baby, um, the labor was not as long, but yeah, you were the person that really jump started, um, my whole, you know, desire to then continuously listen to the hypnotherapy track. So thank you, Marissa. You're welcome. I mean, I think when you're having a baby, it's so important. And your body knows how to deliver a baby. You can do it if you're, you can do it if you're in a coma, but it's really important to be super relaxed and to believe that you're going to have an amazing birth. Because actually giving birth could be the, can be the best day of your life. It's the day you push out a person. With many people, it's not. It's a real traumatic day, and that's such a shame. Yeah, no, but it, so <laughs> if, if we go back and think of the birth story yeah. of Ari, you yeah. know, it was I had this plan, yeah. and it was this incredible plan to deliver him at home. Mm -hmm. I remember we were having a conversation yeah. about it, and you were like, nope, he's going to, it's going to be perfect and it's going to be amazing. And he's just going to be born. However, you know, he comes yeah. out. Yeah. And for me in my head, I was like, okay, that means at home. Yeah. And so the whole reckoning with the birth, thanks to mm. just having the audio replay in the background yeah. for, you know, pretty much, I mm. think it was like four months and then literally arriving to, you know, the, the week of this like yeah. marathon long birth, yeah. just replaying that in my head because there were so many times where I, I literally thought, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I'll be able to do this. Mm. And it ended up being beautiful. He was born in the hospital, yeah. but it was, it was perfect. So, so, and it was, it was thanks to your incredible, your incredible work. So mm. I want to get into it because you're a mama too. I am. And you've had with Phaedra, um, you know, and your incredible legacy of a career that you've built for our audience who are moms navigating mm. this world of motherhood. How did you take us back to that time where you just had Phaedra and you were starting your, your yeah. practice? I mean, I was a single mom too, but oh. it was actually, I found, I, I was told I could never have children, but I think at the age of 20. So when I found out I was pregnant, I was just thrilled to be having a baby. And it was interesting. I do remember, um, turning up at some clinic and I had a little pink jacket. They went, well, you know, you can't wear any like that when you have a baby and, it's amazing how doctors tell you all these tales of woe. When I said I was having a hypnotic birth, they looked at me like I was mad. A hypnotic birth? Do you know how painful it is? I'm like, no, I'm going to have a hypnotic birth. And so it's really weird what you're up against. Even when you're pregnant, people love to, oh, it's, you know, you, it's awful, the morning sickness. Mm -hmm. and, and they really plan 
for you to have an awful time. And I, I loved being pregnant. I really enjoyed it. And then the birth, well, you know, it's going to be terrible. And I said, no, I'm having a hypnotic birth. And I had an amazing birth. Mm. My little baby popped out. It took five hours beginning oh, to end. Oh, my gosh. You're great. so lucky. But I hypnotized myself. You need, I mean, mm -hmm. I know I helped you, but I, I hypnotized myself every day. And I decided I was going to have a really easy birth. And I was going to be super alert because I wanted to be with my baby, who I was told I could never have. But in England, mm -hmm. it's rather different. You have wards. So they have like maybe six women on a ward who okay. don't have a room. Yeah. And you can stay there for like four or five days. It's all free. You don't go home. And so I had my little baby. It was amazing. And the next day I was sitting up in bed. I mean, I, I wasn't ill. I was on the phone to everybody. Oh, my gosh. And the nurse came around and gave me a box of Kleenex. I said, what's that for? She said, that's for postnatal depression. Mm. Everybody, everybody gets that on day three, and the ward is a sea of weeping. And I'm like, oh, no, no. You see, I've signed up for postnatal euphoria. So I'm not having postnatal <laughs> depression. I'm having postnatal euphoria. And if the, sea, the ward isn't going to be a sea of weeping, I think I'll just go home. So actually, I went home with my baby. Oh, my goodness. I love, like, just kind of the whole aura and, um, and everything about what you're saying. Because I think sometimes in the trenches, we totally forget that. Yeah. When we're sleep deprived, when we're trying to still mm. do our work. And, you know, for you, I want to just circle back because you said something so pivotal. You were a single mom when you had... Yeah. Phaedra. I was. So take us through that. How how was that? Yeah, you know, I loved that. I because it was just me and I didn't have to make dinner for a husband, didn't have to take his shirt to the laundry. <laughs> and I actually thought it was really special. It was me and her. There was lots of downsides. I didn't have someone to go, hey, you know, what do you think we should do here? Which school? But on the other hand, I could make all the decisions. That's what I'm saying. Oh, no, no, we're not doing that. That's not going to happen. So her dad was around. Mm -hmm. But it, it was actually in many ways lovely. I slept with her. We were a little team. Yeah. You know, I slept when she slept. Um, I didn't have to do anything except love my baby. I still worked, but I was a therapist. So I was very lucky because I could just work for a couple of hours. So I mm. never saw it as a downside I saw it as an upside I mean I had my moments I remember once being in a store with my baby and there was a couple together mm -hmm. I thought oh that's so nice look they love each other and their baby and I didn't have that mm -hmm. but I really loved her and then often single mothers said to me oh how can I find love I'm like you already got love you're so lucky you've got love you have love in your life your baby mm -hmm. and you can find love easily I, I never found that a handicap having a baby in fact mm -hmm. people would hit on me go, oh my god your baby's so cute right oh she was but she it's is. all a belief oh who's going to want me with a child mm -hmm. or it's so hard not having someone there but I see so many couples who are on a different page about religion mm -hmm. school education diet discipline you know and and I felt very lucky I, I could just do it my way. Mm -hmm. Well, I, what I'm hearing that in, in what you're saying is that really it's the reframing of our beliefs and yeah. our thoughts. Yeah. 
because you could have embraced it and said, yeah, this is really tough. I I do have this child and Mm. I don't, I I'm coming from lack, Mm. right? I don't have a partner, but for you, you were just celebrating all of the amazing things that you were able to do because you were a single mom. And granted you had the best career in the world Mm. because you got to be a therapist. Yeah. It was my mother. Was, my mother was obsessed with being. Couldn't you couldn't put an apple core on the table? <clears throat> you couldn't put the butter out in the paper. Oh no my god! Way. Milk for the. Oh my goodness! And, see, I remember that. I remember the stress of my mother saying that. Don't put that in the bin. Mm. Has to go in a different bin. Don't do that. Don't come in with your shoes on. Mm. I don't remember the fun. I remember the stress. And so I think. Everyone is a teacher. Mm. And I'd look at my friends that had great kids, really well-balanced kids, and my friends who had anxious children. Mm. And the ones who were well-balanced were the ones who enjoyed the children and said, isn't it wonderful? And I love them. And they're all so different. Didn't really stress about each milestone or each grade, and they just celebrated. They celebrated their time with their kids because it's it's the best thing in the world having a little baby to wake up to. And so, yeah, and I've had quite a lot of my friends are incredible parents, and but they all have the same thing. They 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 see it as a gift. There's right. a joy, there's a pleasure. And I say, aren't babies are so interesting. Aren't they interesting? I could spend all day looking at them. Aren't little kids <laughs> fascinating to talk to? But so see, so so I love this and I love the reminder that, you know, motherhood is a gift. Yeah. And, you know, as I'm navigating now with two, and I'll be honest, yeah. and we've talked about it, it it's it has had many moments of challenges, yeah, especially sure. uh especially because because I think that there is that sense of identity yeah, and there is that sense of, okay, I have to care for this, this child who I love so much, but I also still have dreams. Yeah, of course. And did you, you know, because raising a child alone obviously would have all of these different pressures. Yeah. Did you ever feel that? And how did you, I guess, compartmentalize it or how did you, uh, get through just thinking of those yeah. times. Never, you know, people say, oh gosh, I went home with a baby. I shut them off. Oh my God, I'm responsible for this person. I never felt that. Mm-hmm. When my daughter was 10, 11, 14 and going through the challenges of that age, I did think then it must be so nice to have a partner you can share this with. Mm-hmm. But we got through that and we, we have a great relationship. She's my greatest friend. So yeah, there were times when certainly I think the thing about being a single person, you don't have anyone to talk to about it. No one to say, Hey, what should we do? Mm-hmm. And then of course, when you're dating with a single, as a single parent, you really <laughs> yeah. need someone that loves your child. Mm. And that can be a challenge because they pretend they do, but then they don't. So that that's a challenge. But on the whole, I would say, no, I would go back and do it all again. If I had one wish about motherhood, I wish it would take three times as long. Oh, my goodness. I wish the newborn baby stage lasted longer. Oh, my goodness. Toddler stage. But I only had one, you see. If I had four, it might be different. Right. But right. I actually thought it went too quickly. It, it goes so, so fast. And now Phaedra is getting married? Yeah, she's getting married. Going to have her own baby soon. Oh, my goodness. So exciting. So exciting. Yeah. So... 
So as women kind of navigate this new identity and a lot of the things that come up, right, is what should I be doing now? Mm. Should I return back to what I was doing? Or I don't feel as motivated Mm. as I was before. I feel like this is my gift and my gift is my kid, but there's so many different Mm. avenues of what comes up. Mm. And just even, you know, in the last year, I, I even struggled with a lot of the identity of, Mm. well, who am I now? Am I a mother of two? Am I a supporter? Am I, um, and you have all these hormones too. Like when you're in the thickness of it, not Mm. sleeping at night, So what advice do you have for moms who are so hard on themselves, yet they are trying to rediscover, Mm. um, their, their new identity as a, as a mom who probably still has big dreams. I think if you want to be a stay at home mom and take five years off work and you can, you absolutely should and you should never feel bad about it. And I think if you want to go straight back to work because you love your job, you should do that too. Mm. I think when you are full of guilt about, "Mm, I want to be at the office, I should be at home. I'm at home, I should be in the office. You have to find your own way. There is no correct way for being a parent, you know. Mm. I do have some regrets. One of my biggest regrets is I was never into cooking. It just wasn't (laughs) my thing. Mm-hmm. And now I realize my daughter loves cooking. She's such a foodie, so is her fiance. I wish I'd actually really got into... Occasionally, we'd, we'd cook in the kitchen together. If I made mm-hmm. a cake, she loved that. But it wasn't my thing. I mean, I cooked for her, but I didn't ever love cooking. And if I had an au pair or a nanny, I'd say, can you cook? Because that was always very important. Right. But I regret that now because she gets so much pleasure from cooking. And then someone else told me something else, and it's so true, that all your children ever want is for you to be present with them. Mm. Can't be present, but when you are with them, be present. And the greatest gift you can give your kids is when you come home from work, just be present with your child, switch off the phone. You you can't be present with them all day, but when you're with them, if you are present with them, I still know with my daughter, if we go out for lunch, Mm -hmm. the phone in the bag, really be present that's all they want they just want you to be present with them and it's very hard and you just come in and you're going to cook and there's laundry and there's phone calls to make and yeah. you really have to think you know this i just have to put all of that aside and be present with my child i can i can maybe do the laundry later i can maybe that's so true you just have to learn ways of being present and that's my biggest regret that I learned that much later in her childhood I wish I'd learned it so interesting it's so interesting and I know that um I mean there's just so much good stuff here and I want to switch gears because there's so much that we have to unpack in our in our time together and I want to switch gears to a lot of the work that you have taught so many people in terms of just the whole mantra, which I know that I've said this quite Mm. a bit after you've kind of created a global Mm. movement around it. Yeah. The whole, I am enough. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as now a mom of two Mm. plus, uh, navigating the complexities Mm. of, you know, just life in general Mm. that we all go through. Yeah. Um, how did that, get started how did you think that okay everyone needs to know this the i'm enough movement Mm -hmm. 
you know, my father is what you call a principal, a head teacher, and he loved children. He said to me, you must believe that every child has something on their head, a little sign that says, please make me feel significant. Please make me feel I matter. And he taught every child as if that they mattered. Mm. And of course, when I became a therapist, I was very, I wanted to be a child therapist because I saw how good my father was with bringing children out. He'd have children that were we call them travelers, gypsies. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he, they would only ever come to his school because he would get them very included. He would could always draw any child. He could take a very lost child and turn them into a computer whiz kid because he found them fascinating. Mm. And so I wanted initially to be a child therapist, but then I realized that's actually very hard because you have three patients, mum, dad, child, usually mom and dad divorce, and they've all got their own agenda. And it, but wow, this is hard work. I've got three clients all the time. Right. But when I began to work with clients individually, I saw that every client coming in, their problem always stemmed from their childhood. And it always stemmed from having parents who didn't pay attention to them or expected too much of them. I mean, the parents that expect too much of them do so much damage. And just give a little hint here. Typical Asian immigrant parenting right here. (laughs) Let your children do what they love. Mm. You can only be good at what you love. If you find what you love, you can become amazing at it. So if you have a kid who likes gardening or baking, you can't make that kid be a scientist or a pianist. I have... In fact, the hardest kids are the ones whose parents say, my child's got a headache all the time. Mm. They get it when they play the piano. I said, you know, I've never had a kid in my room ever who likes the piano. Many parents and they've got to learn the piano. They hate it. Mm. You can't make a child love music. You have to find out what they love to do and support them in being good at what they love. And, and you know, part of school, too, is loving school. Mm-hmm. So I love the fact that you love reading. She's always loved reading. She loves art. She doesn't really love math. And I think we try and force our kids into an avenue. He's going to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. He's going to be an mm-hmm. accountant. And that's great if they love it. But... You have to nurture their dreams because that's what they'll be good at. So when I started the I'm Enough movement, it was because every person would say, I'm not enough. Mm. Every addict I worked with say, I need more. I need more cake, more food, more alcohol, more drugs, more stuff because I'm not enough. And I realized initially my clients were school teachers, parents, and then my clients became movie stars and Olympic athletes and, and prime ministers and politicians. They said the same thing. And then I realized it's really a global thing. There's not enoughness. And it's very important as a parent to understand, and I know all the parents here care, but when a parent appears to not love their child, mm. the child never stops loving them. They immediately stop loving themselves. They can't go... My mum's always crying because she's depressed. My dad's always angry because he drinks. They go, my mum's always crying because I'm not enough to make her happy. My dad Mm. drinks because my dad doesn't visit me because I'm not enough. And that's very difficult. Mm. But you have to go back to your kids and say you're enough. And actually somebody wrote to me and said, you know, there's a little boy at my kid's school. He comes in. The first thing he says, I don't have a dad. I don't have a dad. Everyone's got a dad except me. She goes, what can I do? I so want to help that kid, but I don't know what to do. The dad had left and the mother was 
desperate and this kid really felt it. I said, you know, the only thing you can do is have that kid round a lot, Mm -hmm. tell him he's awesome. And and if the mother lets you, give him a mirror and write on it, you are an awesome kid Mm -hmm. and you are enough. And she did. And she said it was amazing. He Mm -hmm. saw that every day and began to realize that he was enough because he picked up the right message. And then many years ago, this 17-year-old kid came into my office and He's probably the angriest kid. And he said to me something I never got. He said, if you get this wrong, I'm going to sue you and take your house. I'm like, wow, that's an interesting to start a session. So I said, oh, you're a hurt kid because behind all anger is hurt. Mm. Angry kids are hurt kids. And I said, you're a hurt kid. Tell me what hurt you. And he said, well... You know, 17-year-olds don't tell you whatever. Don't know. I said, no. But if you did know, he said, well... His parents were Indian, funny enough. He said, my parents had me when they were very young, Mm. 17, his age, and they gave me to my grandparents. And my grandparents don't have a book in the house, and they don't really know how to raise me, but they do their best. He said, but I've never met my mum, because he lived with a father's father. And he said, but my dad comes to visit with this new kid who's like the Messiah, you know. Mm -hmm. He didn't say the Messiah, but he's got an iPad and he's got Nike trainers. He doesn't even pay child support. Mm. And he was so angry that he felt like he was an afterthought. He'd been replaced. He didn't feel he mattered. And he was very angry. And I said, you know, darling, only tell you the truth. I would love to give you a great dad. Your dad is a child. Mm. He was your age when he had you. I'd love to give you a great mum, but I can only give you one thing. So I said, I want you to close your eyes and imagine if you had a great dad, what would a great dad say? Of course he went, don't know. I said, no, but you do know. Mm. What would a great dad say? So he began to say, I'm a great kid. I said, that's it. I want you to start saying, I'm a great kid. Mm. I'm an amazing kid. I have a talent. I've got something to offer the world. And then I began saying, girls really like me. So of course he liked that. (laughs) So I continued to have him say all the things he wanted to hear. It's what I call the missing part of us we have an unmet need he mm-hmm. had a completely unmet need to be validated and most of all an unmet need give it up or give it away i need to be loved i'm not loved i'll just give that need up then mm-hmm. i was going to love me or give it away who out there can love me oh i found someone who can love me right. they're going to meet that need but that person could get sick they could die they could leave and now you're right back oh I've got the unmet need again. I said, I know this sounds crazy, but if you say to yourself all the words you need to hear, it would change your life. And it did. He became quite a famous chef. He's got an amazing partner. Oh, amazing. Because he began to see that waiting for the dad to turn up and go, you're a great kid, was never going to happen. But he was a great kid. And one of the gifts you can do as a parent is have your child say, I'm smart. Mm. I'm really good at IT. Mm-hmm. I'm really amazing at art. I'm interesting. People like me. And and if every parent every day had their kids say four things, I'm significant, mm. I matter, I'm enough, and I'm lovable, Oof. it would change everything. It would change bullying because no kid wakes up and goes, oh, my life's great. Who can I bully today? Right. It's like hurt people, yeah, hurt, hurt people. people. Hurt people and diminish people, diminish people because 
they feel so inadequate that they need you to feel inadequate too. And I want to stop you right there because you just said something so pivotal. It's almost even for the shout out to, to the, to, to the, to the women out there who don't have kids yet. But I think it's also how we can reparent ourselves yeah. is what you're mm. saying. Cause it's almost like you, you taught this 17 year old kid yeah, to tell himself he's enough to tell himself he, he's enough and, yeah. and almost just reparenting yeah, become, himself. Yeah, I call it becoming a loving parent. So it's one of the mm. powerful parts of our TT, the missing bit of you, the praise you've always wanted, upgrade your life and become your own loving parent. What would a loving parent oh, say? How lucky am I to be your parent? You're a great kid. And when you say it to yourself, it's amazing because it stops you being needy. And of course, if you say, hey, I'm lovable, I deserve love. If you say it enough, you, you take it in. And then you meet people who pick up what you mostly believe. But if you say, well, no one loves me, I always get dumb, nothing works out. That's the energy you resonate at. And of course, the most mm. important words you'll ever hear are the words you say to yourself. So my daughter would come into my mommy, what do you think I look like with a little summer dress on and ski boots? I said, what do you think you look like? She goes, I think I look beautiful. I said, well, darling, that's the only thing that matters, mm. what you think you look like. And so it's very easy to go, oh, you're so beautiful. You're so gorgeous. You're so good at math. But you have to ask them, what do you think you look like? Mm. What do you think? So if they get their painting out, what do you think? Well, mommy, I loved doing the circles and I love doing that and if you go oh everything's amazing they, they actually know when it's not they know mm. what they're good at and they know what they're not good at so to be able to say what do you think and for yeah. them to actually like yeah. share my daughter came home once and said mommy do you know some people don't like brown people because she's mixed race I was like, oh my gosh my baby's had her first incident of racism and I said, what do you think? She said, I love being brown. It's the color of trees. And so I thought, I'm so glad I didn't jump in with that. Mm. I said, you know, some people don't like people, but you have to like you. And she would say, mommy, this boy said something horrible to me today. He called me a name. I said, darling, your name is Phaedra. And if people call you a name like idiot or dumb, you just go, my name's Phaedra. I don't answer to any other name except for Phaedra. So I would always teach her, try not to jump in and fix it, but give her the power to, you know, claim mm -hmm. who she was. And I was recently on a talk on depression. The guy in the audience said, could you help me? How can I make my kid good at everything? I said, are you? He said, what? I said, are you good at everything? He said, no. I said, then don't ever ask your kid to be good at everything because <laughs> nobody's good at everything. Right. I'm not good at cooking. It's never been my thing. And to relieve all of those expectations yeah. that we and, may and have. You know, I have kids who go, I'm not good at drama. I said, darling, you're good at IT. Imagine if we were all good at everything. You'd mm. never employ a gardener. A cook. You'd never go out to dinner. You wouldn't even go to the store. You could make right. everything. You'd be doing everything. Plumbers would be out <laughs> of business. And children like it when you say, find out what you're good at. You are good at IT. Mm. You know, I'm at school being forced to do sports, mm. forced to go on long runs. And I didn't love it then, being forced to do French and mm. science, and I hated all of that. But my father was very different. You only had to go to lessons that you liked. And in Finland, you only go to lessons you like. Mm. And they've said that's been incredible because right. people, I love math. And they go, well, that's going to be your area. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. 
you know, we I think the whole education system doesn't help kids. And it's a bit about the same with chores, you know. And it and it really kind of depends on us as parents yeah. to really guide to that. To celebrate what they love. And it might not be what you love. My daughter loved mm-hmm. cooking. She made a tremendous mess. I didn't love cooking. She'd come downstairs with paint all over her fingers because she's an artist. I mean, I remember my friend and I stapled mm-hmm. um plastic sheeting all over her bedroom oh all over goodness. the walls because it's like I can't have the stress of going oh my god you've got paint on the walls let's just cover the whole bedroom in plastic and celebrate it and celebrate, and celebrate it. it you know it. I learned not to shut the door you know one of the things I learned having a messy child is messy people don't see mess so when you go look at the mess it's like what mess they, they right. don't see they're it. celebrating their art yeah. and that's what they yeah. should be doing and, and it, it's very stressful trying to make your child be like you right because they're your teacher they are nothing like you hey there love i wanted to take a break for a moment and invite you to something that i really think you may benefit from so are you the person that has all of these ideas and ambitions swirling around in your head about what you kind of want to achieve this year, but you don't really know where to start. So maybe that's new habits. Maybe it's practices and rituals that you want to create for yourself. But you're like, uh, I just don't have the time and have so many things to do. Okay, I feel you. I used to feel like I wasn't seeing the results that I wanted from my goals because I honestly was not taking the time to get clear on them and really taking the right actions. And honestly, I looked everywhere, and I mean everywhere. I did all of the things to find out what really worked when it came to manifesting our deepest desires in life. So I took everything that worked, scrapped what didn't, and gathered all of the goods into literally one juicy step-by-step burnout-free and goal-getting guide, which I finally nailed down the formula with. And it's called my Elevated Intention Setting Planner. It is so juicy, you guys. If you haven't grabbed your copy of my free Intention Setting Planner to help you manifest your desires, you can grab it here for free at globalgrit.co backslash E-Y-L. Again, it's G-L-O-B-A-L-G-R-I-T dot co backslash E-Y-L for your free copy. And honestly, I've been using it for the past eight years now. It's helped me hit... 100% of my goals, even my juiciest ones, like my multiple six-figure book deal, my dream house on a hill, my partner who would travel the world with me, not to mention becoming a mama of two. Yep. So what are you waiting for, Brave Table fam? Claim what's yours now by grabbing your free intention-setting planner today and truly elevate your life. I literally walk you through step-by-step on how to use it, and I know you'll thank me later. It is honestly my deep gratitude and my gift for you and this incredible community. So check it out. It's globalgrit.co backslash E-Y-L. And now back to the show. Now I want to go back to that because obviously in your incredible organization in RTT, and we can, we can share with the audience what that stands for. Uh, you did mention kind of the four pillars Mm. and really it kind of stemmed from the I am enough movement. And so take us through how that has informed the largest institution for, for therapists, right? Mm. Yeah. We've trained 13,000 so far. Oh my gosh. And they are getting incredible results all over the world. But you see conventional therapy 
gets this on because they try to change your behavior. And here's how it works. It always, thoughts come first. The thought is always the first thing. Thoughts even become before feelings. We're only with two fears, the fear of falling backwards and the fear of being dropped. Other than that, you think a thought. A thought influences your feeling. Yep. And your feeling influences your actions and your behaviors, mm -hmm. which you justify by your thinking. So if you wake up and thought, I'm not enough, mm. then you're going to feel feelings that sound from that sad, defeated, maybe angry, maybe antagonistic. There are lots of things, but none of them are good. If you think of thought, I'm not enough, you feel bad feelings. Right, it's these low vibrational yeah. feelings. Yeah. And then the bad feelings influence your behaviors. You don't take any risks. You're um, often shut down. Again, you could have angry acting out. We have many kids have angry acting out behaviors because they don't feel enough. So you think a thought, feel a feeling. Thought creates the feeling, feeling creates the action and the behavior. If you change that immediately to I am enough, you think, okay, if I thought of it, I'm enough, how would I feel? I'd feel pretty good. I'd feel confident. I'd feel reassured. Mm -hmm. I'd feel more certainty. I'd feel safe. And if I thought that thought and felt those feelings, then how would I act? Well, I could take risks. I could ask people. I could ask for help. Mm -hmm. I, I would be brave. And I justify it because I know I'm enough. Mm -hmm. So it's like a ladder. So I was recently working with a child who said, I don't have any friends mm. and I'm not good in school. And I said, I'm, we're going to change that. Or I, people love me and I've got a special talent because... The thought I don't have any friends makes me feel so sad and shut down. I don't ask people to be my friend because I thought a thought I don't have friends. I feel very sad and defeated. Mm -hmm. I sit in school and eat lunch on my own. I don't join the other kids because I know I'm not, I don't have friends. So if we change it to people love me, mm -hmm. I make friends easily. I feel brave. I feel able to, I feel able to go to a kid and go, hey, can I sit with you at lunch? What book are you reading? I love that book. And in 10 days, that girl was completely different, totally different. No she was being very bullied at school. Just by doing Just by changing RCT. the thought. Yeah. See, most people change the behavior. You have to just change the thoughts. Everything you feel is because of the thoughts you think and the pictures you make in your head and the pictures you make come from the thoughts you think because it's really our own perspective that's yeah, driving it's these thoughts our own perspective mm. so rtd is always about where did this thought come from mm. i've always been like this i've always hated being the focus of attention the day you were born did you think you turned your head away in the crib and said don't count my fingers and toes because i'm not i've got imposter <laughs> syndrome no baby system I mean, in fact babies hold your gaze they they try and communicate with you even at five months old they think they're having a conversation with you and no baby says, oh, my God, I ate too many cookies. I better run around the garden and burn off those calories. No baby says, I mustn't waste that food. You know, in the womb, it's like being in Hawaii at 75 degrees. You have 24-hour room service, and someone is always there. So babies are born with this interesting belief. Pretty nice life. <laughs> I have whatever I want. Three in the morning. Well, I want to eat then. I don't want to eat now. And so RTD is all about, look, let's start from what you were born with. Mm. And we can reactivate, remanifest, and regenerate that, even though you think you've lost it. Because oh, you're not born like that. You acquire it for all kinds of sad reasons. Again, it always goes back to children blaming themselves. You know, children must 
I idealize their parents. If you work out your dad's a crazy alcoholic, they're really scared. If you work mm-hmm. out your mum's got some mental health problems and is likely to leave you behind in a store, that mm-hmm. is super scary. Yeah. So the child always thinks, my parents are great, it's my fault. We have to idealize our parents. And mm-hmm. if everything goes back to this, I'm not enough. Because right. my parenting wasn't right. And actually, one of the best things you can do with your kids is say, you know, darling, today, <clears throat> I wasn't good today. Mummy mm-hmm. said I was cranky. I don't know too much. She goes, Mummy, have you got your pyramid today? You're very cranky. Because <laughs> I say, you know, today, darling, Mummy was a bit cranky. I had my period. I wasn't kind. I wasn't. I'm so sorry. And I, what that does is it normalizes the emotions. Yeah. It normalizes the emotions, yeah. the human emotions that we all have when we're having sure. a shitty day. The first of all, they don't believe it's their fault. It frees them from mommy's cross. It's my thought, oh, mommy's having her pyramid. Right. She's like this <laughs> a few days a week. And she tells me, but my period today makes yeah. me a bit cranky. Mm. The second thing it does is it allows the child to not be, oh, if mommy's had a bad day, I can have a bad day. Mm-hmm. I can have a really bad day and act out. And, my, and then later say to my mommy, I'm sorry, I was not very nice today. Mm. So it allows them to take kind of ownership and agency and, of yeah, their bad days yeah. too. And my little girl said, mommy, I think my teacher was having a period today. She was so horrible to everybody. And her period teacher was actually in the menopause. And I explained <laughs> to her, she is. And sometimes teachers are mean too. They have a bad day. It's not about you. And, and not need, to take it no. personally as well. Yeah, and the other thing that's very good as a parent is to separate the behavior from the child. So if my little girl one day was walking across the carpet mm-hmm. and spilt juice, why did you do that? Because I'm bad. I said, but you're not bad. You're a great kid, but you did a bad thing. Tell me again why you spilt the juice. And she said, I was looking at the Flintstones. I said, that's it. And when you have juice in your cup, you can't look at the television. You have to look at the cup. So you're a good girl who did a bad thing. And I knew it was working because I went to get my daughter from school one day and the teacher went, oh, my God, I've so been put in my place by a five-year-old because <laughs> I was late. And she said, I said to Phaedra, your mummy is hopeless. She said, my mummy's not hopeless. She's just late. You're not your behavior, you know. Oh, my goodness. Was that amazing <laughs> that she got that? And she said to me, mummy, you're not your behavior. And so I, the other oh, thing. Oh, I love that say, so much. Yeah, I want to stop there because you are not your behavior. Because yeah, we all do mean things. Right. And, things. and if we can even think about that as, as adults, yeah. um, ourselves, not yeah. even just, you know, for anybody listening that doesn't have any children, this is huge sure, reparenting. Yeah, I'll say to my husband, I'm sorry. Mm. I was mean today. I was cranky. I was unkind to you. I'm really sorry I was having a bad day about something else because we're not our behavior. Good people do stupid things. Kind people do mean things. Oh, I love that so much. We're not our behavior. And I think even as, you know, uh, overachieving, uh, perfectionist, imposter syndrome, women uh, who want to do so many things, Mm. but we do mess up. We have sucky moments. We have human moments. But to say, that you know our behavior does not mean that yeah. it's the end of us I think that's so yeah. I feel like that's so liberating yeah and the other thing with children which I as a therapist I say to all my clients you must feel the feeling until it no longer requires to be felt you're mm. grieving that your dad died of course you shouldn't go straight back to work and start to eat boxes of cakes feel grief your husband left you have to feel that 
so fully feel mm-hmm. the emotion. But you see, when children are having a tantrum, we go, stop that. Mm-hmm. Don't cry. Don't be mean. Don't be angry. And we have to let them feel the feeling because our feelings are the most real thing we have and they're trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. And when you let yourself feel them, they go away. And of course, when you have a very moody teenager or a very angry kid, and I don't like with my daughter, I learn, I have to just let mm-hmm. her sit with this feeling. She yeah. can be moody and pouty and dramatic and angry. For as long as it takes. <laughs> I just learn. If I try to stop it, it makes it so much worse. So uh. I sit with it. And then she and then one day she said, Mommy, I really love the way you know how to handle it. It took me years to work it out, by the way, but I realized wow. that. And recently I met her in London. I hadn't seen her. I was so excited. She turned up. She was in such a bad mood. What do you want? There's nothing on the menu I like. Do you want a coffee? No, I don't like it here. And I once I said, okay, I'm just going to go home. I don't need this. But I just sat with it. I had my phone, ordered her a coffee. And then she said, oh, mommy, I feel so much better. And I was having a really bad fight with my boyfriend. She said, I'm really glad you understand how to just sit with me and let it go. But I do it by saying, but, but this is not about me. She's going through some stuff. She's feeling a feeling, and I have to let her process that. I do want to kind of uh, kind of circle out uh, this conversation because you did point out a couple of really, really big gems for everyone listening, and it's to help somebody process their emotions, especially when they're having these big feelings Mm -hmm. that it almost seems like if it's not dealt with as a child, then when they grow up and they have to see you or one of the RTT trained specialists, it can manifest into other things, right? Like addictions Mm. and even certain behaviors or oh, yeah. just the idea that they don't feel self-sabotage. self-sabotage and all of those things are too by the way I don't feel enough if I don't feel enough I'm going to procrastinate and then I'll never fail because I never completed what I was supposed to complete in the first place mm. so you know there's only ever three things wrong with people okay. I'm not enough I want something that's not available and I'm different so I can't connect. So first of all, let's go back to those three things. You are enough and you've always been enough. And if you can just know it, you're enough just the way you are, other people will pick that up. Everything's available to you. It might require hard work and changing things, but you can have whatever you want. And if you think you're different so you can't connect, the very fact that you think you're different means you're the same because that's everyone's greatest fear. It's a child's greatest fear. You know, we used to live in tribes. We all look the same. And now we're so multicultural. We don't bond by, oh, look, we're the same. We we have to bond by, do you like pasta? I like pasta. Do you like SpongeBob? So do I. Right. And you see little kids going, oh, I've got a friend because they're like Mm. me. And so it's really important. People spend so long in therapy mm-hmm. when all you have to do is look at the only three things that could ever be wrong with you because it can only be one of those three or all three. Oh, oh, so amazing. Okay, Marissa, you just dropped a big one. When is your book coming out? Tell us a little bit okay. about the book because I know you have to go. My new book is called Tell Yourself a Better Lie. How to rewrite your story and upgrade your life using RTT. And I called it How to Tell Yourself a Better Life for One Reason. Every client I see over 30 plus years, their greatest problem is the lies they tell themselves. Mm-hmm. Not the lies other people tell them. Our greatest problem 
is allies with fellow soldiers. This is not going to work out. I'm getting this wrong. Mm. I knew that wouldn't work. If I look at a cake, I get fat. My kid makes me want to die. I mean, my friend's saying, I'm going insane with tiredness. Really? Mm. Are you really going insane or are you just tired? This kid will be the death of me. My baby is a nut. My husband is driving me crazy. Mm. So I could eat a horse. Come on, you couldn't even eat an eighth of a horse. I'm starving. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Mm. I'm shattered. You see, when you tell yourself a lie like this, you have to understand that every word you say is a blueprint that your mind, body, and psyche are going to work to make real. The strongest force in all of us is that we must act in a way that is consistent with the words we speak. So if you're prepared to lie and say, my kid makes me want to die, mm-hmm. why not tell yourself that my kid is a challenge? They're actually age appropriate. They're a challenge. I can't get them out of my bed, but are they going to be in my bed when they're 18? Mm-hmm. It's extreme. They'll be in someone else's bed. I'll be worried mm-hmm. about something else. So just being able to say, I'm tired, mm. um, I'm a little stressed, this is, I'm challenged rather than this is killing me, this is driving right. me. Even people say the, the commute is driving me crazy. The line in the grocery store is hell. Because we have all of these lies that we do tell yeah. ourselves. And, and they can be silly lies. And every client that comes in tells me a lie. But to them, it's real. The love of my life dumped me. I'll never find anyone else. They were my twin flame. We're trauma bonded. And I hate that word, trauma bonded. <laughs> as if trauma makes you stay with someone. Because people will say, you know, we, we had a child that was very sick. Mm. And the stress of it broke us up. So trauma doesn't bond you. It can separate you. Mm. But just listen to your language. Do you say things like, this is killing me. I'm losing my shit. I, I, someone said to me recently, <laughs> I've got chronic diarrhea. I said, do you know how often you say that? Do you think it's linked? I said, do you? He went, well, I didn't have it before. But I say, I'm going to lose my shit. I will lose my shit. Somebody wrote to me recently, you know, I read your book and what's so amazing is I've had very painful feet and collapsed foot arches. And I noticed, I say every day, I just can't stand it. Oh my I can't gosh. stand my husband leaving his pants on the floor. I can't stand my kids ever putting the lid back on a jar. I can't stand all the smears on my lovely stainless steel fridge. She said, and I stopped saying it and within 10 days... My feet don't have my arches have actually gone back, which is no extraordinary. Way. Oh my god. But goodness. I said it so much. Mm. So that's I can't stand it. So you it's the words it. that you, you keep saying. It. Yeah. So for instance, this is what I've always done to my daughter and my husband. I say, What have you remembered? And my daughter would get to the gate, what have you remembered? She goes, My swimming clothes my lunch. I never said, what have you forgotten? Mm. Because what have you forgotten is saying, you have a terrible memory. I can't Mm. remember a thing. When you say, what have I remembered? I've remembered to come back for my keys, my phone, my books, my paper. You're telling yourself a better lie. I always remember as I get to the door or at least the gate. And so look at the lies and flip them. No one loves me. Somebody's going to love me. Oh I'm not goodness. good at that, but I'm very good at something else. Mm-hmm. I can't lose weight. I have a phenomenal metabolic. I'm always sick. Mm-hmm. My body is a wellness-making machine. Because you can choose. Mm-hmm. You can choose whatever you want to say to yourself about your life, about your child. What you can't choose is what you do to your body when you say negative mm-hmm. things. I know I'm going to lose the baby. 
I'm bound to have a difficult one. What's wrong with my kid? I'm a terrible parent. I'm just welcoming all of that. I've damaged this child for life. Mm. People are incredibly resilient. We're not fragile. We're resilient and Mm -hmm. strong and tough. You don't have to get it right. You can't get it right. The truth about you and me is we are flawed people. We're going to have flawed relationships our entire life with flawed people. You're going to be a flawed parent. I was. And your kid's going to have flaws. And if they didn't, they would never make friends. I love that. All my clients who are rich and famous and beautiful are so lonely. Mm. Who was it that said, Judy Garland, no one ever asked me out Sharon Stone said every guy I, I get every guy I date thinks I'm the girl from Basic Instinct and they're always disappointed Ava Gardner said mm-hmm. every guy thinks I'm Gilda they're disappointed so if people who are stunning mm. and rich and talented feel flawed it's better to accept of course all of the flaws flawed. yeah and you're flawed and let's have a beautiful flawed relationship <laughs> instead of I'm right. flawed, but I need a kid to be perfect. I'm flawed, but if my kid is perfect, I can compensate. Amazing. So where can we get the book? Because I'm dying to get my hands on a copy. Um, so the earliest place to get it is on Amazon. You can pre-order it. It comes out on January the 10th. But it has, I think, six audios in it. Perfect. And they're great for parents. There's one on confidence. There's installing the cheerleader. There's how to go back and rewrite your story. And actually, I'm just about to release all my audios for small children. I'm just about to record all of them again. Confidence, passing exams, loving school, Uh, having a cheerleader. And if you you can also still get the I can't or I can challenge. We're now putting that in American schools. We have all our anti-bullying programs. If you Google Marissa Peer Mm -hmm. or RTT, the I can't or I can challenge, any school can take that. They're completely free. We'll put it all in the show notes. Yeah, and you can put all my websites. Amazing. I will, I will. And where's the best place to connect with you? Well, I'm very lucky. My name is Marissa Peer. You can always find me. So if you go to marissapeer.com, we have lots of free audios. You can take them all. I'm going to put the children's audios and they're all completely Absolutely. If you want to train in RTT, it really is for a mother the best job as a therapist because you, you're free, you choose your own hours. Incredible. You pick your own salary, you pick what to do. And a lot of our um, RTT that specialize in infertility, which is incredibly oh, amazing. rewarding. So go to rtt.com. Perfect. Train with us. Perfect. Do what I do. And if you just want to join the I'm Enough movement, go to imenough.com. Okay. And I just end with this. One of my clients said, you know, I, I had that stamped on my kids' pillows. So mm. the last thing in the fridge is I'm enough. And I have it all over the fridge. And they all say every day, I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm enough. One said, mommy, enough is enough. You say it so much. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. <laughs> Amazing. But get your kids to say I'm enough. If, if we all said that every day, it would change the entire world. It's incredible. So on the Brave Table, we do uh, end with one to two words that you are feeling at this moment and season in your life? Well, I'm feeling very grateful. That's another thing. You know, I wake up every day and go, I love my life. Even if I I love my life, I love the smell of my shower gel. I love my first cup of tea. And if you can just say, I love this, even when you don't, you get into that state of gratitude. So when little things thrill you, big things thrill you too. And it's important with kids to go, I love, I like my life. I like myself. I'm good at this. Amazing. You know, we've all had that thing, you know, I remember when my little girl learned to sit up and I was watching, she was so thrilled with herself because she could sit and she knew she'd done something amazing. 
And we have to keep that going in ourselves. Be thrilled at what we can do and what our bodies can do instead of mm. focusing on what they can't do. Wow. This has been a power hour. Thank you. And I feel like we have to bring you back because yeah. there's just so much more to unpack. Sure. But this has been so much gratitude and so grateful for you mm. to be here with us. Well, if it makes one person enjoy their kid without feeling, they should be something they're not. Amazing. Marissa, thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for inviting me. I've had a ball. Wow. Just wow. That was powerful. Now, if you want to get connected with Marissa and learn more about all of her trainings and her books and her resources, head over to marissapeer.com. And that's right. She did share her newest book, Tell Yourself a Better Lie, already an Amazon bestseller, is out for you. That is right. And it is sold anywhere that you get books. You can go check it out on Amazon, Tell Yourself a Better Lie. I'm reading it right now, and honestly, it is a game changer, especially when you want to get into just morsels and nuggets for yourself. It's a great read, and we all tell ourselves lies, and she kind of breaks that down as you just got a little bit of a glimpse of that. So very, very excited for you to dive into that. And for more on becoming an RTT therapist, you can go to marissapeer.com. Oh my gosh, if you love this episode as much as I did, please share this with a friend. If you've got a girlfriend, mom, sister, brother, dad, lover, significant other who needs to reparent themselves, who needs tools to heal, who needs tools to have better emotional regulation, this is the episode to share. And if you love this so much, we are giving away prizes. That's right. So head over to thebravetable.com backslash giveaway when you submit your five-star review. You guys, this helps us get into the hands of way more people. Yes, yes. And thank you so much. This is all because of you. And I cannot wait for us to see each other again. Until next time on The Brave Table. Bye.